speaking about the kingdom of God, and he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, saying, You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You will receive power, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. This is God's Word. So today we're going to close out um, the series on the apostolic witness where we've just been asking, okay, like the picture I've had in my mind for this thing is if you were walking down the road after the resurrection of Jesus and you could have eavesdropped on Jesus teaching his disciples, like, you, I don't know, in a meadow, I don't know where he's teaching, probably, probably in the temple, actually, and you could have eavesdropped on that conversation, what would you have heard? Right? If you could just peek in and see the risen Lord teaching these guys, what would you have heard? And I've argued it's five things. First, you'd have heard that Jesus' affirmation that God will restore all things at the day of the Lord. You would have heard Jesus' affirmation that he is the Jewish Messiah. All the promises to Israel concerning the kingdom of God will come to pass. You'd have heard an explanation. The new part you'd have heard is an explanation of the cross event as a substitutional sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins before the day of the Lord to be received only by faith. And you would have heard an explanation of the resurrection that confirms all that stuff is true and it's reliable and it's trustworthy and we can put our hope in what is to come. And then today to close, the last thing you eavesdropping would have heard, or if you just have a New Testament now, I guess the illustration doesn't work as well, then... You would have heard the promise of the Holy Spirit to bear witness to these things. For the risen Lord says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Okay, like the two are tied together and one needs the other. So this is the promise that you hear. Jesus tells them this. And then what happens? Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is what happened, like historically, in history, this, Jesus says this, and then this happens, and the question for everyone after this event is, what did it mean, right? Because things happen in history all the time, you have to interpret, what does this mean? How, how do we understand it and order our lives around it? Because if you interpret it, you know, wrongly, things get, if you interpret the resurrection, this means something other than what it means, like... Things get messed up. So what does it mean? They're, they're gathered. They're praying. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to be given. And then it happens, right? Tongues of fire, mighty rushing wind, the whole bit. So how, what, what did they do after that? How did they say, okay, what just happened to us? And, and what should we do now? And, and so I know you're tired of hearing this, but I'm just going to keep saying it. They interpreted the giving of the Spirit, just like they interpreted the event of the cross and just like they interpreted the event of the resurrection, they interpret the giving of the Spirit in light of the day of the Lord and the age to come. Okay, For the apostles, the gift of the Spirit is unto something. Right, It's pointing at that day. It's not just given for good meetings and goosebumps. Though, again, I am all for good meetings and goosebumps, all right? Or uh, Ronald's chicken skin, okay? I'm all for it. I had a bunch of it this morning. I mean, like, we're, we're singing these songs, and, and the Spirit just ministered. I don't 
can't speak for you guys, ministering to me. Rachel prayed if their rejection has led to, to salvation for us, how much more will their acceptance bring life for the dead? I was like, oh! Reese reads Psalm 2. He will have the ends of the earth, his inheritance, just like, woo! You know, like, that's awesome. I'm all, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm, I'm all for it. But that's not the main reason the gift of the Spirit is given for the apostles. What we, and what we can see in, in their history in Acts and, and the letters, the, for the apostles, the gift of the Spirit is primarily meant to confirm the message of the cross and the resurrection unto the day of the Lord and to empower evangelism unto the day of the Lord, okay? Primarily, that's what's happening here. It means those two things. Now, secondarily, under those things, the gift of the Spirit means a lot of things, right? We, we could do 52 Sundays and not scratch the surface of all the things that the Spirit does and how He ministers to uh, believers and how He ministers to unbelievers and all, all that stuff. Like, that's awesome. You know, we, you could spend a lot of time on it, but primarily the weight that the apostles give, how they interpret and understand what's going on with these tongues of fire and mighty rushing wind and everything that happens after is, is those two realities, okay? To confirm this message of the cross and the resurrection, it's true. And if you give yourself to it, you will be raised from the dead on the last day and to, and to empower them to say that, okay? To give them witness to that. So first, they understand the giving of the Spirit as a confirmation of the cross before the day of the Lord. So Acts chapter 2, Peter filled with the Spirit, right? He says, you'll be baptized with the Spirit. Acts 2, they were all filled with the Spirit. Peter stands up, cowardly Peter beforehand, bold Peter now stands up, said, hey, the prophet Joel said this day would come, the Spirit would be poured out, young men dream dreams, old men prophesy, blah, 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 blah. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, parentheses, from the wrath of God at the day of the Lord, right? This is the message, and then Peter explains the cross and the resurrection. Acts 2.22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works, wonders, signs that God did through him in your midst, right? Works of the Spirit, right? Jesus is anointed with the Spirit. Jesus does his ministry in the power of the Spirit, you crucified him, you killed him, but, verse 24, God raised him up. He, he ain't dead no more, right? Like, that's what's going on. Then he works through Psalm 16 that we did last week and explains Jesus is the son of David who will sit on that throne. His body was not abandoned to Sheol, nor did his flesh see corruption, but God raised him up. Then, verse 36, right? He's done all this, verse 36. Then he says, let all the house of Israel know for certain... Okay, know for certain what? Like, what is Peter's spirit-filled proclamation saying is certain and reliable and trustworthy and you can bank on it? Know this, that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Why? What is Peter saying this to 3,000 Jewish people, cut them to the heart? Why? Because Peter said the day of the Lord's near. Okay, and Peter said, you killed the Lord, right? Therefore, the day of the Lord that's coming, that's soon, that's near, won't go well for you, right? And so, you, you know, you hear that, and, you know, if you've ever broken something at home as a young child and mom's like, dad's going to come home, you're cut to the heart, right? Like, this is the same, same dynamic, same thing 
is going on. And so they're cut to the heart and they say to Peter and the rest of the apostles, in light of the cross, in light of the resurrection, in, in light of this giving of the spirit now, before the day of the Lord, they say to Peter and the brothers, what shall we do? How do we uh, change what happens on that day? Because right now it's not good. And Peter said to them, repent, okay? Acknowledge your sin, turn from it, cry out to God for mercy and put your hope in the cross and only in the cross, okay? Throw other, all that other stuff away because it, it ain't gonna work. It ain't gonna be counted to you as righteousness on that day. Repent, be baptized, be cleansed inwardly and outwardly <clears throat> so you can approach God, right? You can approach Holy space in the age to come. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, why should they do this? For the forgiveness of your sins. Because the cross functions as a substitute and a sacrifice for sins. And and you do this, you will receive who? The gift of the Holy Spirit confirming to you that now you're trusting and believing in the cross, right? Right? Like, this, this is the pattern that, that's happening, okay? So not only <clears throat> is Peter being filled with the Spirit, meant to confirm the message of the cross, their reception of that message is meant to confirm, or is confirmed by the Holy Spirit, right? Peter standing up and doing it, says the Spirit's at work. Them receiving it, and the Spirit bearing witness to that, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's the same bit. They repent and they receive the Spirit and the Spirit testifies to them, it's true. It's true. It's real. You really killed him. God really raised him up. God, and God will really show mercy to you for killing him at the day of the Lord by faith in the cross. And the Spirit is, yep, it's real. It's true, okay? And I'm burning in the bosom, right? On the road, road to Emmaus, that our, that our hearts not burn within us by the Spirit. So when the message of the cross and the message of the day of the Lord is proclaimed, and that message is received with repentance and received with faith, okay? When that happens, the Spirit confirms it, sometimes in dramatic ways, okay? Sometimes in like big, loud, blockbuster type ways. Acts 2 is dramatic. Tongues of fire, mighty rushing wind, 3,000 people, big whole deal. Acts 10 is dramatic. We're going to read Acts 10 in, in a second, okay? Larry on the dirt road, that's dramatic, right? That's not a normal kind of story. When the message of the cross before the day of the Lord is confirmed by the Spirit, sometimes it's like, boom, and, and I'm sure you guys have examples of that. Sometimes, though, it's not dramatic, okay? C.S. Lewis is, is riding on a train, right? He's just traveling and just, oh, I guess all this stuff is true, and I'm going to follow Jesus now, okay? And that, that's how he tells the story, that I was just riding on a train. It happened. Um, uh, Reese, when Reese was, you guys have been here a while now. Reese called me on the phone that summer and thought, hey, we're moving back to Tonkawa stuff. And I was like, oh, how, how'd that happen? He goes, I was sitting in the Life Church Sanctuary and I was reading Psalm 51 and just, oh, this is all real. <laughs> you know, like, so, uh, sometimes it's Acts 2, sometimes it's Acts 10, sometimes you're walking down the dirt roads, whatever. Grandpa Frank milking cows that just, oh, you know what? <laughs> 
Sometimes it's dramatic, sometimes it's not. It's not a rote formula. And if you try and put the Holy Spirit into your little whatever theological box you have, he breaks it. He just, uh, like, I, I wish he wouldn't. I wish there was a step one, step two, step three, but it's not how, it's not how he works. But the point is, the Spirit is given, the Spirit's poured out to confirm the witness, one in the preaching of it and two in the receiving of it. Right? You hear the witness and whatever that looks like, you go, oh, Okay, well, we're, we're doing this now. This is my life now. And so this is how they know that the Gentile believers will inherit eternal life as Gentiles. Because in the, the time of Acts, there's a lot of debate about how this um, works out. So Peter preaches to Cornelius and, and to his family who are you know, Gentile as Gentile can be. And he preaches to them. And it's embarrassing for me, because I'll show you in a second. He preaches to them the full gamut of the apostles' witness. Okay, he just gives them the whole bit. What's taken me five weeks to get across, Peter does in one paragraph. Okay, so Acts 10, he's preaching to Gentiles. Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. And we are spirit-empowered, spirit-filled witnesses of all that he did. Then Peter preaches the cross, week three. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Then he preaches the resurrection, week four. But God raised him on the third day. Then he preaches Jesus as the Messiah, week two. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead at the day of the Lord, week one. To him, all the prophets bear witness, week two, that everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name, the cross, week three. He just did it all right there. I'm long-winded, sorry. So Peter preaches the entire apostolic witness, okay? Day of the Lord, resurrection, cross, the whole bit, all of it, and highlights the cross in that thing, and then what happens? While Peter was still saying these things, what things? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. He does, and he does. Might not mean what you think it means, but he does. Is he preaching that, though? Is he saying, hey, here's Gentiles, Cornelius, your whole family. Here's ten steps to finding your purpose. Not what he's saying, right? When Peter is preaching these things, the cross before the day of the Lord, when Peter is preaching these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard, assumedly heard with repentance and faith and believed these things. And the believers from among the circumcised who, who had come with Peter were amazed. And why are they amazed? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, confirming, right, that, oh, They'll inherit eternal life too, right? Because this is, this Acts 10, Acts 15, they're like, okay, what are we going to do about these Gentiles? They're abandoning their idols and coming to worship the God of Israel. What do we do? And uh, Peter pipes up as he does and says, guys, I can just tell you what I saw. I preached the message that we heard and the same Holy Spirit that we received, they also received. So I guess God is saying they can come in too. And we're here in 2022, just doing the same bit, okay? Receiving eternal life um, as Gentiles. And, and, then, and they know, right, that there's an evidence. They were hearing them speaking in languages and extolling God. They're like, oh, that's just what happened to us in Acts 2. It didn't happen to us in Acts 4, but in Acts, that's just what Cornelius is, shabba-dabba-dabba, same thing we did, okay? Like, so they know. So the point is that the Spirit bears witness that these things, the cross, 
before the day of the Lord, the Spirit confirms to our spirit that these things are true. God will restore everything when he comes as judge at the day. The cross received by faith really will save from the wrath to come. And those with faith really will be raised from the dead. And God gives the spirit to you when you believe to say, boy, keep going with that. Go with that route. Okay, believe those things. Give your life to those things. And, and this will come. Okay, it, it's, it's God saying it's true to you. Okay, Hebrews 2, therefore, so several decades after Acts, therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, the gospel, right, those five things. It was first communicated through the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, right, assumingly those early disciples over the course of that 40 days, while God confirmed their witness with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Okay? God confirmed the witness of the apostles. How? By the Spirit. Right? And you might not have thought about this, but it has to be this way. If you know human beings, if you know yourself, it has to be this way. Okay, the, the message of the cross, one, one, the message of the cross that it, this is the only way you can be saved from the wrath of God. Okay, you have nothing awesome in you that's going to save you on that day. This, this cross is the only way. And then two, that you have to actually carry a cross in this age before glory. That message of the cross has to be confirmed by the Holy Spirit for people to accept it. Right? No one hears that and says, sounds good. Because every, everyone thinks they're awesome. Right? You're just born thinking, what do I need a cross for? I'm awesome. I'll inherit eternal life. Honestly, I should be in charge of who else inherits eternal life. Right? I'm so awesome. And then two, you mean I have to have suffering before glory? No, I'll just have glory now. I'll just do I'll just live however I want now. I'll have glory now and glory later. All right. I have a, a, a teacher I like who says you, you could preach that in any frat house and they'd accept it. You know what I mean? Hey, you guys take over the world. Glory now. You know, you're awesome. Everyone in the frat is like, that's exactly what we thought already, you know. But to tell people, hey, you can only be saved by the cross. And to tell people, suffering now, a cross now, and then glory, the Spirit has to confirm that for people to receive it. Does that make sense? Again, I can tell you guys, you're awesome, and everything about your life is going to be awesome, right? Eternal life now and eternal life then. And every human being is like, yeah, great, what's next? You know what I mean? But to tell you, you can only be saved by faith in the cross and repent, denying yourself. If yourself is awesome, why would Jesus... Tell us to deny ourselves, right? Only by denying yourself, carrying a cross, believing in the cross, can you be saved at the day of the Lord. That's got to be confirmed by the witness of the Spirit. That's why God gives and sends the Spirit, and we could say more about that, okay? So just generally, if your message works in the frat and in the church, one of them's wrong, okay? So first, they understood the Spirit to confirm this message of the cross before the day of the Lord. That's how they understand what's going on. So Peter stands up in Acts 2, 
That's just what he says, okay? Second and related, and I could have made these one point, the Spirit is given to empower evangelism, okay? This is what Acts tells us. This is what's going on. And I think this is the main way that the, the apostles and the early disciples understood the gift of the Spirit, especially in light of Acts 1, okay? Acts 1 begins with Jesus specifically saying, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? So you will be my witnesses. So their time giving of the Spirit to being witnesses just, okay, that works. So um, before Acts 1, Matthew 10, that we, we covered several years ago, back when we were in Matthew. Matthew 10, I'm just kidding, it was a couple weeks ago. But moving over here, my timeline for life is off. Everything's just... Before Acts 1 and Matthew 10, Jesus says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking, right? So Jesus in Matthew 10 is tying the speaking, bearing witness to the gift of the spirit, right? So when you stand before a hostile audience, in order to bear witness to me and my gospel, Jesus says you will be filled with the Spirit in that hour, okay? You know, like, I don't, it's just, maybe this is obvious, I don't need to be filled with the Spirit watching TV. There's no, necess, there's no, there's not a necessity for that. I need to be filled with the Spirit right now, right? If I'm bearing witness to the gospel, it's absolutely necessary. I'm filled with the Spirit. Or, you know, people that Joel will tell us about next week who are, who are you know, living in, in the Middle East where things are hard, it's not necessary for them to be filled with the Spirit to go feed the goat, right? Or maybe it is. I don't know. Holy Spirit, help me. I don't know. It is necessary for them to be filled with the Spirit in that hour when they stand before a hostile audience, right? Like, it, the, the gift of the Spirit comes when he's needed, when he's necessary, okay? So he says, when you stand before hostile audiences, you'll be filled with the Spirit. Then you get the Acts 1 promise of the Spirit, the Acts 2 giving of the Spirit. And then through the rest of Acts, what happens every single time the apostles have to bear witness to Jesus? Every single time, okay? Start in Acts 1, read all the way to the end. Every single time, they are filled with the Spirit, Acts 2, filled with the Spirit. We already read that. And Peter, who's previously cowardly, right? Previously avoiding suffering when Jesus is explaining the necessity of his cross and the necessity of their cross. What does Peter say? This shall never be, right? Like, same, same Peter denies Jesus three times before that morning comes. That same exact Peter, now, Acts 2, filled with the Spirit, stands up and preaches a banger of a sermon, Okay, like it, if this was the TikTok age, like everyone would be, oh, let's see what Peter, like it would be a big deal. And 3,000 people repent. They repent. Well, what's the purpose of Peter being filled with the Spirit in that Acts 2 moment? So he can bear witness to the gospel and bear witness to Jesus. The Spirit's not given in Acts 2 so Peter can have a good quiet time. Right? The, the Spirit's not given in Acts 2 so Peter can be more successful in overcoming sin. Does the Spirit do those things? For sure. Okay? For sure. The Spirit does those things. But in, in the book of Acts, in the, in the initial, and I'll say initial now, the gift of the Spirit, His main job is to empower us 
to bear witness when it's hard, all right? Like when it's really hard and our cowardly flesh wants to rise up, God sends the Spirit to us and says, I'll just open your mouth, okay? I'll do this thing for you. Acts 3, same thing. So Acts chapter 3, guy at the gate, heal me, and they say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to thee, rise up and walk. And then what happens? Amanda, you got to sing it for me. He went walking and leaping and prayed, right? That's the deal. That's, that's Acts chapter 3. The lame man is healed. Acts 3 says the people are amazed. They're just, wow. And what does Peter do? Right after the healing, right after the Spirit does stuff, the Spirit does something, Peter gives the same bit. You killed him. God raised him up. So repent so that your sins are blotted out. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The Acts 3 healing happens. And Peter and John don't like sit around and go, well, that's neat. Isn't this cool what's happened? Acts 3 healing happens. The spirit moves in power. And John and Peter preach. They bear witness to what's going on, the, the, the gift of the Spirit, the sign of the age to come, right? Hebrews 6, the powers of the coming age happens in this age, and they preach, and they bear witness. So I'm just saying the power of the Spirit leads to evangelism, okay? And so what this should do for us now is that, man, it's really hard to talk about Jesus with people. You need to pray Every day, and in that moment, God, I want to be filled with the Spirit right now. Okay, I'm going to the grocery store, fill me with the Spirit so I can remember what I'm supposed to get. <laughs> and so I can bear witness, okay? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. The Spirit comes on you in power to bear witness, okay? So Acts chapter 3, this has happened and everyone's happy. Like, oh, look what happened. Peter preached. Bam. And then Acts 4 Trouble, right? The elders and the scribes are mad about Peter's preaching. So, Acts 4, 8, Peter, filled with the Spirit, again, this is Peter's third time in four chapters, filled with the Spirit, again, preaches the same basic message from Acts 2. You killed him. God raised him up. Therefore, repent. And, and Peter has to know what's going on, right? Um, he knows, right? You, no one's, well... Some people have no self-awareness. Let's assume Peter does, all right? Let's assume Peter knows that before this giving of the Spirit, I was filled with the cowardly spirit, all right? When Jesus was being crucified, I don't know the man, all right? And he knows now he's being filled with the Holy Spirit as he's bearing witness in a hostile environment, right? My point is that the Spirit, again, it's necessary. It is necessary for us to be filled with the Spirit so that we can bear Witness and think about the rest of the apostles, okay? You know, scholars, whatever you think of scholars. Peter's probably the oldest, okay? And the rest of these guys, they think, are 13 to 19 years old. All the stuff in Acts, except at the end, maybe it's a little farther, but all the stuff in Acts, think about 13, 14, 15 year old kids doing this stuff, right? Men, men and women going about bearing witness in hostile environments. And they're not just proclaiming the gospel to children, okay? Uh, in in a, an evangelism class I took, one of our assignments was to share the gospel. I was like, well, that's hands-on. That makes sense. And one of our uh, things we couldn't do is, like, you can't count sharing the gospel with a child, right? Because I'm not intimidated by a child. 
right? I'm intimidated by a peer. I'm intimidated by an adult, right? So I have to have um, the spirit. So who are these 13, 14, 15-year-olds talking to here in Acts 4? The scribes and the elders, right? The pillars of the religious community, Peter and James and John, like they have to bear witness to these guys. So imagine, don't imagine or meditate or pray on this, but just imagine if our church had grown hard-hearted to the Lord, okay? And Joe is serving as an elder for the money and the fame, right? <laughs> all right, and Barry, Barry's performing all of his church tasks because Barry thinks he and his works are so awesome. He will inherit eternal life based on burying that cable back there, which I think you will. I mean, <laughs> that was a long day. And, and Larry, we, you know, our, our church is so hard-hearted. We find Larry at Sunday school. He's praying like, Lord, thank you that I'm not like that sinner down the street. Right, and this is just the, the environment and the vibe and the culture of our church, hard-hearted to the Lord and through these things. Just a lot of wickedness going on, okay? That's going on, and then imagine the Lord instructs Cale to call them to repent. Cale, how old are you? Fifteen. Fifteen. Driving soon. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> The Lord says, Kale, I need you to go to Christian Life Church, to the pillars of that community, and call them to repent. Do you think teenage Kale is going to look Larry in the eye and say, the day the Lord's coming for you, Larry, he's trying to get you now. You, you know what I mean? No, he's not. But, like, Kale, confident as Kale is, Kale's not going to do that but by the Spirit of God. This is what, what's happening to bear witness, not just to their peers, but to the leaders. These men must be filled with the Spirit. It, it's, it's just, it's the only way it's going to work, guys. Like, this is, God's, this is God's way of doing things. If you were awesome in yourself, we wouldn't be filled, need to be filled with the Spirit, but you're not, so you must be, okay? So just one more passage here, 1 Corinthians 12, in regards to hostility to the message and the need for the Spirit to bear Witness at, so at this time, First Corinthians, um, the, the Gentile believers they've defected from worshiping the pagan gods. Okay, the empire doesn't like that because if you don't worship the gods, then you don't get rain, right? And then your crops don't grow, and then uh, the economy is destroyed, and then the empire is destroyed. Okay, like that—that's what's going on here. So the worship of the gods in the ancient culture and in the modern culture too, the worship of the gods is, is practical. Right? We worship this God so we get rain, so we have crops. That's, that's the deal. So when they get word of a defector, okay, hey, we heard that guy is not offering incense to Poseidon. That's going to mess up our fish harvest, right? Bring him in. So and so is not worshiping at the temple of Diana. That's going to hurt the, the fertility of our community. But better bring them in. So they bring them in when they hear about a defector and they hold up an image of, at this time, the emperor Trajan. They, they say you have to offer prayers up to Trajan. You have to offer incense and, and, and wine. And then, while they're holding up the image, you have to curse and renounce Jesus as Lord. Right? So, so that's the environment. That's the procedure that they've got going on. So Paul says in that context, 1 Corinthians 12, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. So we know the context of what he's about to say is concerning the gift of the Spirit. I do not want you to be uninformed, because it really matters, okay? You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, but, 
But now you're not a pagan anymore. You've stopped worshiping mute idols. You're only worshiping the God of Israel. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Okay? So does that make sense? Like, so you're in that moment, right? They, they find out you're not worshiping Poseidon or Diana or whatever. They hold up Trajan's image. You're called upon to say Jesus is a curse. When that happens, Paul says you need to be filled. You need to be given the gift of the Holy Spirit to bear witness in a hostile audience and to not say Jesus is a curse, but to instead, by the Spirit of God, say Jesus is Lord. And take the consequences come what may. Does that make sense? I don't want you to be uninformed concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, because if they put you before Trajan, you can't by the Spirit say Jesus is accursed. Instead, you must by the Spirit say Jesus is Lord. Okay? That has to happen. It has to happen. And it's the only, it's the only way that we're going to be faithful unto death. Okay? So if you think, you know, persecution's coming and you think, you know what, I got my brick house, I got my bunker, I got my guns, that's how I'm going to be faithful to the Lord, you're wrong. The only way you're going to be faithful to the Lord is by the Spirit of the Lord, empowering you to still bear witness. And the whole assembly, I said that was my last scripture, I got one more. The whole, script, the whole assembly knows this is how it works, okay? So Acts 4, back to that context of, of the scribes and the elders and all that stuff, listen to how they pray, Okay? I think this is instructive for us. And now, Lord, after the Acts 3 healing, after the Acts 4, um, scribes and elders, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Right? They're praying, God, by the Spirit, grant us power to still be faithful to the message. Because it's going to be hard for Kale to tell Larry to repent. Give us this while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, by the power of the Spirit. And when they had prayed, just like Acts 2, now in Acts 4, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what is the outcome? They began to speak the word of God with all Boldness, the spirits, they pray, the spirits given, kabam. This is how it works. The work of the spirit, the filling, the baptizing, the indwelling, the drenching, whatever word you want to use empowers disciples for evangelism. It empowers disciples to bear witness and, and to bear witness to a specific message, faith in the cross before the day of the Lord. This is why the spirit's coming on people to, to do, Okay. Robert, if you would come help us. So to close out our, our, our five weeks on, on the apostolic witness, I just want to say this, to, to bear witness as the apostles did, right? Because you guys have all done that. You sat down and you've read the book of Acts and you're just like, that does not describe my life, right? And you say, I want that. To bear witness as they did, we must have the power of the Spirit. To bear witness as the apostles did, we must be filled with the Spirit time and time and time again and not trust on our own know-how or awesomeness or study or whatever, but rely on the Spirit of God to come on us in that moment so we can be clear and bear witness and the Spirit would come and confirm the message that we're preaching, okay? 
Because you know the message, right? Like, hopefully, you know the message, right? Uh, Rachel, where's Rachel? Rachel knows the gospel timeline, okay? So we, in our junior high, high school, we've been pounding this, this creation covenant, Christ, uh, Christ cross, church, consummate. We've been pounding that thing for two years now. And Rachel can write it on the board and draw it. It's way prettier than, than I can draw it or Stoney can draw it, okay? She knows it. You guys know the message. You know about the restoration of all things in the day of the Lord. You know about the hope of the Messiah and the kingdom. You, you know about the cross as, as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. You know about the resurrection of the dead. Our, our issue is not an intellectual one, okay? But if we know it, we don't proclaim it, what are we doing here? What, what, are, we, what are we doing Okay? It's not enough for us to know the gospel. We're meant to proclaim it, okay? And the only way our proclamation is effective is if we're filled with the Spirit, if we're given the Spirit, okay? Otherwise, it's just words. It's just endless words and endless books. It's just, it just, it's la la la, never ending. We need our gospel to come, like 1 Thessalonians 1.5, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. So if you'll stand, I want to pray that we would be filled with the Spirit. That when it's time to bear witness, when, it, when it's time to, to share the evangel, when it's time to share the good news, the Spirit comes on us and we're clear and, and God confirms these things with power. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we're, we're asking you, God, like, like the disciples in Acts chapter 2, like the disciples in Acts chapter 4, that we would be able to, by your Spirit, speak the word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal with signs and wonders and miracles, God, through your holy servant, Jesus, that we would have the gift of the Spirit on us, to speak the word of God with boldness, to bear witness to the gospel. So God, come in power. God, come visit us. God, come shake the places where we pray. God, on Sunday morning, in our Sunday school, in our house groups, we ask that every time we gather and every time we pray and every time we ask, God, fill us again, that you come in power. God, that you come and embolden us, that you, that you come and, and, and minimize, God, our sinful flesh, and you show yourself strong in us. So just practically, God, first, I'm asking that this would be a regular prayer for us to be filled with the Spirit, because then it would be a regular practice that we're sharing the gospel, because we're, we're not doing it without this we're not doing it effectively without the spirit so god just in our normal prayers at at breakfast class before meals whatever god would this be a, a clear prayer to us fill us with the spirit god we need the, the power of god 
And we need the power of God to confirm the message, God. We need the power of God to, to break hard-heartedness, God. Those that have been blinded by the enemy, God, we need the power of God to reveal the truth to them. And open their eyes. And God, I ask you for all the other stuff the Spirit does that couldn't cover today. God, all the gifts of the Spirit, all the works of the Spirit. God, would, would we be not just open to those things, but say with Paul, God, we want to eagerly desire those things, be zealous for spiritual gifts, for the work of the Spirit. So help us be obedient to those things, whatever that looks like for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I'm gonna invite the elders up now for prayer. Um, so if you want prayer to be filled with the Spirit, um, or, or you have not believed the gospel before and you want to believe it and repent of your sins and trust in Christ, um, you can talk to these guys about it and they'll pray with you. Or the, if you're sitting next to a member of our church, they can tell you these things too. Let's pray.